1: Taryn Pritchett.
2: All right, here we go. Budweiser's weekday sports beat on your home of the fighting Irish and Saturday night's game between the Irish. And the Louisville Cardinal, right here on Sports Radio 960, WSBT. Cast for halfway through the football season. At least here in South Bend, we're already past the 6 game mark. Incredible. When you don't have a bye, <sighs> things fly by. And hopefully the football team and the coaches are not as tired as the media is right now. <laughs> I mean, I know no one feels sorry for us. We have a cool job, but... <laughs> It's been a long few weeks. Well, we are here in our WSBT studios. I'm Darren Pritchett, joined by ABC 57's Allison Hayes. It is great to have all of you with us on this Tuesday, October the 3rd of 2023. We are on the air until 7 o'clock tonight. Then we have Wake Up, the Echoes, the Notre Dame football, athletics, Podcast-type David Letterman show, I guess, is the best way I can describe it. So there'll be guests, there'll be sports talked about, and you can join them for Wake Up the Echoes tonight at 7 o'clock. That's why TV people have cue cards and teleprompters, because they would have said that very smoothly. I was just making it up as I went, Allison. So that's why I'm in radio and you smart people are in TV, I'm telling you. Well, it's good to see you.
3: Well, thank you.
2: It's been... Wow, the last two weeks, the drama, I'm sure, has led people to want to take a big, deep breath after these last two games because, hey, it's fun having exciting football, but we could use a nice little (laughs) double-digit win this Saturday, don't you think?
3: Absolutely. I mean, I don't know about you, but the the way everyone felt... Oh, that fourth quarter, as it was dragging on, it was just you're starting to get that sick feeling like, oh, here we go again. This is, they're going to lose. They're going to lose. Oh, my gosh, they're going to lose. And then, oh, my gosh.
2: It's like the opposite of what happened in the Ohio State game.
3: Exactly. Do
2: you think there are any young, up-and-coming coaches, maybe someone watching football that's in high school and taking notes, and what have they noticed the last two weeks? Late in the fourth quarter of games – When you aren't overly aggressive or have your best players in the game, it can come back to haunt you. And when you play prevent, it can come back to haunt you. Both of those scenarios have taken place in Notre Dame's last two games. On the 4th and 16, Allison, what did Mike Elko do? And he is a brilliant football mind. I, I don't like to question, but it just goes back to when you're only rushing limited numbers and... Rush three, drop eight. It's just been something that has not worked well late in ball games. So I'm to the point now, just be aggressive. I mean, Notre Dame was, or I said, should say Duke was aggressive on the previous plays. And Notre Dame was fourth and 16, but then they backed off. Yeah. So lesson learned, right, for all these young coaches out there. And
3: probably afraid to be aggressive in that situation and then get burned. So then they try to not be quite so aggressive and then get burned. So, yeah, that's tough
2: it's a lot easier sitting in our recliner. Of course. I will definitely say that, but the old prevent defense normally prevents you from winning. All right, we are going to talk plenty of Notre Dame football tonight. Here on WSBT Radio, we have Mike Singer from Blue and Gold Illustrated to talk the latest in Irish football recruiting, including some news on Jerome Bettis Jr., What else do the Irish need to do in the 24 class? He's got some names for you, so we'll have that conversation coming up in the 6 o'clock hour here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. And for those of you that are hockey fans, we are four days away from the first Notre Dame hockey game against Clarkson. Saturday at 6 o'clock, I'll have the call on Quality Rock 94.3 FM and on the Notre Dame radio network. So Irish and Louisville play really slow. Play as slow as you can so I can see as much of the second half as possible. All right, here we go with some Notre Dame football conversation, and let's just go back to Saturday night, Allison, for a couple of moments. Key moments from Notre Dame's 21-14 to victory over the Blue Devils. Let's start on the offensive side of the football. When they needed it most, they were able to get it done, but – It was a very interesting night offensively. A lot of ups and downs. So, what are the key moments for you on offense?
3: Uh, Really, the creativity on that first drive. That was really the most impressive drive of the entire game for Notre Dame. The shovel pass, Jeremiah Love, the fake punt to keep it going. 12 personnel with all the verts. It was just, it it was a great, it was exciting. It was like, wow, this is. This is how you want to start off this game. I thought Duke's Duke's defense was so prepared for Notre Dame's power run game. They were super athletic and and just fast, especially at that second and third level. Um, Duke had a great game plan. What was... Disappointing when you're talking about those ups and downs was uh, Notre Dame's offense just didn't feel like it adjusted that well to it, and we didn't see a lot of mixing it up. We didn't see the bootlegs, we didn't see play action, so things like that were like where you had this great first drive and then things just kind of were like from there. So that that was my biggest takeaway.
2: Do you remember the game that used to be in bars that QB one where you had the device and you could pick run or pass? Well, if you had run middle. As your play, when Notre Dame offense had the football, you racked up a ton of points in this football game because it seemed like every estimate run was between the tackles. And yes. you're right, the Irish probably could have used a little more creativity watching the Seahawks blitz the Giants last night. Giants started just dumping the ball off to running backs when they saw the blitz coming, a wide receiver screen. That might have helped the Irish at times in the ball game. But if I want to talk about key moments in the game with the injuries at wide receiver, which obviously hurt them, and the receivers that were healthy, you know, the consistency just wasn't there. They were targeted 10 times, four passes caught. Where would they be without Mitchell Evans?
3: Wow, what a game. The last two
2: weeks, Mitchell has been spectacular at the tight end position. And when you think about the greatness of Michael Mayer for three years with Notre Dame, he never had a game with 134 receiving yards like Mitchell Evans did against Duke. The Irish needed help with the receiving core banged up. And I'll tell you what, with the running game being clogged up, I think a lot of that because Duke wasn't scared of the receivers. They no. could hone in on that running game. Mitchell Evans was the one guy that Sam Harmon, I think, felt like truly he could count on playing and play out. Six catches for 134. Another one handed catch. Yeah. He doesn't need a second hand, obviously. So when I think about key moments of the game, this Fighting Irish football team without Mitchell Evans, who had a key catch on that final drive, I'm not sure where they would have been because points were a lot harder to come by than I would have expected.
3: Sam was getting so much pressure, too. I mean, I felt like that defense was challenging Sam Hartman like, all right, bring it. Yeah. we're going to shut down this run game and we're going to force you to see what you can do, pass it and they they were not concerned with the receivers and you could tell and then but the run game it just felt very conservative and almost telegraphed at times and so that was confusing too cuz it's we were talking off air it's like why not allow Audric let him go out wide On the let, edge. yes and and there just wasn't that so how do they adjust that now coming into another Tough, ranked opponent on the road at nighttime against Louisville.
2: I know coaches do not make decisions based on fans and media, (laughs) but there was such an outcry after the Ohio State game. Why take Audric Estime off the field so much? He had 14 of the 39 carries. In particular, I think we all agreed the final drive, we wanted seven on the field. Seven. Seven. Seven, (laughs) yes, seven. Well... This game, isn't it interesting? He was basically the guy throughout this football game. So was this the coaching staff making that adjustment? Was this a one-game deal with Audric getting a little more time? I don't know, but remember I said a couple of weeks ago, Audric fumbled, and it was a big deal, and Marcus talked about he got taken out of the game because we don't do that. Well now it's Audric scoring a touchdown when he shouldn't do it. You're it's right. Like, like Audric can't do anything right <laughs> while we have all these people with the self-inflicted penalties in that ball game that get to stay in the contest. Like Audric's agent needs to be like, come on, pick on somebody else for a little bit. But yeah, those self inflicted penalties got to the point of ridiculous. And that well, I'm gonna save the next okay. thought because we got a question coming up a little bit, so I'm not gonna spill all the beans here. Okay, as we think about Notre Dame-Duke on Saturday, key moments for Al Golden's defense in this ball game against Riley Leonard.
3: Well, I thought two things that I was really impressed with was, one, really forcing the ball out of Riley Leonard's hands on a lot of those runs, crashing the edges. Uh, I thought the Notre Dame linebackers were just, just as fast as Duke's running backs, which was really cool to see. Yeah. Um, I thought also the defense played very disciplined as far as like assignment football they didn't get lulled into that like I don't want to you know like I'm bored with this or they stayed with their assignment especially Riley Mills I thought he played really well nothing real fancy numbers wise but just he was where he was supposed to be and he did what he needed to do help force that ball where Notre Dame wanted the ball to go to the other thing I really liked was it felt like golden kind of turned that defensive line loose a little bit and uh, mixed up how they were you know using them in the box and I just thought it, that overall i thought that was better getting pressure with just the four also we were seeing that a little bit so i thought overall i thought that the defensive game plan was really good and uh, as a no held duke to the lowest point total of the mike elko era so that's another bonus for this defense just overall i thought they played well um the tackling still is an issue but when you get the win you can kind of be like eh, you overlook that but tackling is something that we want to see you just missing them in space that's ugh, frustrating.
2: About 20 minutes before the game I noticed on Twitter Connor O'Neill who covers Duke and Wake Forest does a great job covering both of those programs. he tweeted out that Duke's all-American I'm sorry all ACC left tackle Graham Barton was out with an injury. And I'm like, this is a major, major piece of news because he is an NFL draft prospect. So with Barton down, I even felt better about Notre Dame's chances in this game. So without Barton, hey, the defensive line had a really good performance. I thought Al Golden, for the second straight week, had a really solid plan. I know we can talk about the last three minutes of the Ohio State game, but up until that point, The plan and the execution was really good by Notre Dame against Ohio State. And I really felt like after the first quarter, I didn't know if Duke was going to score. Yeah. The amount of pressure they were putting on Riley Leonard, he did not have much of a chance in the pocket. Now, Duke started using Leonard as a runner. More often later. I'm not sure why they didn't do that earlier. Yes, and that's what he does, right? Like,
3: that's what he does best. He's
2: not known for his throwing. Right. He's known for making plays with his legs, which he ended up doing later in the game. But I thought Coach Golden, once again, had a really good plan. The execution was pretty solid throughout the night. And it was really a night in which I thought the defense did enough to win the game. And had they lost... I wasn't going to put anything on them. Right. It was the offense leaving points on the field in the first half and just not being able to move the football in the second half. It was not as bad as Navy last year, but at times it felt like they were stuck in quicksand. They Mm -hmm. just couldn't get anything anything going. And I mentioned this to, I guess, Tyler Horka yesterday on our live YouTube show. I wish Notre Dame had a bye this week for a couple of reasons. Number one, to give these poor guys a break. And number two, this would be a really good time for the Notre Dame offensive coaching staff Mm -hmm. to self-scout themselves. Yes. Go look at tape of themselves and break down the tape like they are the opponent going up against the Irish offense. Because the last two weeks have not been as crisp in a lot of areas. And I think there might need to be a little reevaluation of a few things. So I really wish there was a bye this week because I think Charlie Weiss used to say that, you know, we need to take the bye to self-scout ourselves. I think the offense needs a little reevaluating and, and self-scouting, but the circus goes on. No time. Off to Louisville we go to take on the Cardinals, who, by the way, are 117th in the country in total defense, giving up 422 yards per game. So there might be a nice Band-Aid. <laughs> coming thanks to the Cardinal defense. And let's just move along to decisions. Notre Dame after Sam Hartman's scramble on 4th and 16 to keep the game alive. There was a moment where Sam's looking to the sideline as you're watching on ABC 57, like, what's the call? What's the call? Well, eventually the ball goes to Audric Estime, who ran to his left because he was supposed to center the football. But then he's like, aha, he ran to his right and ran all the way in from 31 yards out to score the go-ahead and what turned out to be the game-winning touchdown. A lot to uncover here. (laughs) First things first, Marcus Freeman, when asked about SMA scoring, it was 14-13 Duke, so if you score a touchdown, you give Duke the ball back. If you go down to the one-yard line, you could milk time and – than just rely on a one-yard touchdown run or a field goal, but you're forcing someone to make one more play. So Marcus Freeman was asked about what he said after the game Saturday that he wished Estime would have taken a knee at the one-yard line.
4: The the things that can happen in the operation of a field goal, um, you know, you got to weigh the percentages. You know, we didn't assume – Odric was gonna break that and score a touchdown. You know, we, we were really more thought of centering the ball a little bit and, and planning to uh, kick the game-winning field goal. But, you know, I, it's really hard to, when you're down to take points off the board. And this was a conversation we've had with coaching staff. If we can go back and do it again, would we say alert down down on this? You know, and, and as the head coach, you know, I have my own philosophy on things. So, um, but we're gonna be aggressive. Um, don't ever want to take points off the board but I also want to put my job put our position our team in a position to win and um, you could win in either case right that's the reality you can win if you you go down at the one and it's perfect with the snap the hold and the kick you know and there's no time left you could win the way we did win you know but at the end of the day um, the objective is to win and we found a way to do that.
2: So when I heard that, you heard Marcus say, I have a philosophy. But he really didn't say what the philosophy was. He kind of said, well, you can win both ways. I'll say this. I am glad Audric Estime scored the touchdown. I understand what the analytics tell you. If Notre Dame misses the two-point conversion, you're only up five. They score a touchdown. They win the game. But you're asking... A lot of things to go right. In fact, let me take a step further back, Allison, then I'll, I'll be quiet here. But they were just trying to center the ball, which means they were going to l- rely on Schrader to kick a 48-yard field goal to win the game. That's the part that's lost in the conversation. I could care less about Audric taking a knee at the one or scoring a touchdown. If Audric did what I guess he was supposed to do, the game's on the foot of Schrader. Right. And we are having a major conversation yesterday, today, tomorrow, Thursday, about the handling of late game situations. Because I can't imagine there are many Irish football fans that would have been comfortable with that decision. I don't understand quitting trying to move the ball because still in college football, inside of two minutes, you get a first down, clock stops, and you know Duke is not going to do something crazy. They're probably going to play prevent defense. So the fact that the initial thought was to center the ball, oh my gosh. I'm so thankful Audric scored a touchdown.
3: <laughs> and rightfully so, to be concerned about giving it to Spencer Schrader at, in in that Situation. He has been inconsistent to say the very least. He missed a field goal in that game. He just isn't. He's not consistent enough to feel like you can trust him in all situations. Now, I get the whole idea of wanting to get it down to the one, to use up more clock, to not give them the ball back or give them it, give it to them with the least amount of time possible. But you're sure. giving it to them with 30 seconds, and your defense has played really well right. for the whole game. I mean, I, now I was concerned when you see Riley Leonard. Uh, you know what he's capable of doing, but at the same time, man, trust that defense. You you want your running back to score. He scored, then they get that two-point conversion. Everything went right, so let's celebrate that everything went went right in that situation. I, so many things could have happened. I mean, you have to hope, even if they got it to the one, and, and I mean, they're just... Ugh. It, that it's so frustrating to even think about that. Like to be upset with Audrick for not putting it his knee down, I, I just I don't understand that. But it, you know, of course, if he didn't get in, it, maybe it's a different story or I, I don't know. But
2: if you're tied or you have the lead, I totally get taking a knee at the one. But the fact that you are behind, I'm a little more uneasy about taking yes. a knee at the one yard line because remember Dane Christ? Was that the one-yard line in the Irish offense against South Florida, the thunderstorm oh, game? gosh, yeah. What happened? Don't he fumbled, me. and they took it all the way for a touchdown. I gave the story of my poor childhood with my Broncos losing three Super Bowls in four years. Our kicker missed a 19-yard field goal Oof. in the Super Bowl. Right. So I've, I've lived through that, and I'm not saying Strader would have missed a 19-yard field goal. But being behind, I am more apt to score. Tied or ahead, I think a totally different conversation I get taking a knee at the one-yard line. But I'm I'm just thinking, if they would have just centered the ball and if they would have missed a 48-yard field goal, for example, Paul Feinbaum, (laughs) Colin Coward, every radio host in the country on Monday on a national show would have been talking about the last two weeks, Mm -hmm. the things that have happened to Notre Dame with 10 men on the field twice, and centering the ball and settling on a 40-yard field goal when you have time left, it would have been a rough, rough Monday for this football program. But fortunately, Audric Estime saved the day.
3: Well, and here's a question for you, and I don't know if you know, but, I mean, did they tell him if you break free, take an E? Does he know he's supposed to take a knee at the one? Or are they just hoping that he has the realization that they want to run more time off? The, like...
2: There was a code word he said. Okay but he kind of danced around. And I don't know if Audrick and the offense was told to do that again. When we hear we were centering the ball, that makes you think they weren't worried about making a big play. They were just trying to get the ball in a place that Schrader is comfortable to kick the field goal. Mm -hmm. So I think the touchdown surprised everybody on the sideline (laughs) because they were playing for the field goal based on what I'm hearing now. If I'm misinterpreting, I apologize. But based on what I heard, they were centering the ball. Right. Oh, boy. I'm so glad Audric scored. Thank you, 7. Thank you, (laughs) 7. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Because the fine bombs of the world would have been a – I would have been a whole lot nicer than I think they would have been in that particular spot. So I think we all agree we're glad Audrick scored and everything worked out just fine. Alright, Allison Hayes, Darren Pritchett with you on Sports Beat. Let's go through one more of our opening topics. And this is about the way this season is unfolding in regards to the schedule. And I think the toll it might be taking on this football team. Eight straight weeks of games to start the year, including a trip to Dublin in week one. And you think about the last two weeks, two emotional, physical football games. That this squad has gone through. And before you get to take a breather. You got another road game. Prime time. Which means you get home late again. On Sunday morning. As you go down to Louisville. And then the Irish come home. The pre-break game. Is top 10 USC. So
3: Your biggest rival.
2: Yeah. So this is quite the gauntlet. That the Irish have gone through. In particular going Duke. Well, go Ohio State, Duke, Louisville, USC, let alone playing eight straight weeks before you have a bye. And Marcus Freeman was asked about going through this gauntlet on Monday.
4: Yeah, it's, you know, we got a saying, one game, one life. And um, this is all that matters. And the reality, Pete, is, is you can't be worried about the outcome of the game as much as preparing yourself for the game, right? And preparing this team and making sure we're ready to perform at our highest level on Saturday. And, and that's just the constant message to constant thought process is, Okay. What is it going to take today in preparation to make sure we're ready for Saturday? Okay. What is it going to take tomorrow in preparation to make sure we're ready for Saturday? And the other part of this, how do we get better? Like, how do we get better? And, and that's more important than anything, is that we have to continue to focus on improvement. And, uh, and then Saturday will come, and obviously it's, you're, you're, you're judged off whether you win or lose, but we can't think about that. we got to focus on improving in, in today's preparation and making sure we have a better chance to be successful on Saturday.
2: Well, I think we've had this conversation that we have full confidence in Coach Freeman in preparing a football team emotionally for any game. The 3-3 three and three start last year, I've said it many times, that season could have went down the drain. After losing to Stanford, he kept the troops locked in. They won 6-7 of seven to end the year, and when they were 3-3, three and three, I don't know if I was envisioning 9-4, and four, and that's exactly what Marcus was able to accomplish. So I think there's no doubt Marcus has the drive and the fire and the words to keep this team going through this very difficult stretch But this is still a tough, tough stretch on these players. So do you have concerns about the next two weeks? And let's just put aside the opponents and how good Caleb Williams is and that USC offense and how bad both of the defenses are they're playing over the next two weeks. Just in terms of the physicality they've gone through, the emotional drain, the wear and tear, the no breaks, do you have concerns about the next two weeks?
3: I do, for sure. I mean, we I talked about that with you last week that I had concerns at the I said, "Who does the scheduling? Why would there be no breaks <laughs> whatsoever?" Um I was concerned going in to Duke. Not that I did not feel at any point that this was a trap game. We we've talked about that. Sure. M- when they beat Clemson, it was a hu- It was actually the best thing that could have happened. So they knew how serious of a team Duke really was. So I, I didn't feel concerned about that, but just the emotional drain. I think it was good in the sense of like they had another game right away yeah. to have to get prepared for and be ready. Um, I almost would have more concern about this game now being a trap game. You, I know they're ranked in the top 25. We know their offense is good. But, I mean, even myself, while I'm doing you know prep for this game, I'm like, ah, you know well they're gonna they're gonna win this game they are and, 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 <laughs> they should
2: right but
3: this is where if they're getting more down we've we're seeing some of those little ticky-tack injuries where uh, we had the wide receiver room was depleted this past game um yeah, I'm not sure if all of those guys are back yet or not but you know there are concerns when when I talked about it this last week when um Maris Leofile was playing through a stinger yeah. against Ohio State and he had an awful game you know that you just get to this point in the season, and, and I do ask that. Why is that allowed to be laid out like that? And then in the final month of the season, you got – Two games a bye week, two games a bye week. You know, it was like, now you get all the breaks in the world.
2: Now you have rust we're concerned
5: about.
3: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Then you're trying to shake that off. So, yes, I absolutely have concerns about it. I don't understand how it got scheduled the way it was, especially when you are going to Ireland in week one, or excuse me, week zero, and then you're on the road to NC State in essentially another hurricane game. So it's just been a, a lot of things that they've been dealing with in addition to the emotional heartbreaker of Ohio State. Now you're coming off an emotional win, thankfully, against Duke. So yeah, for sure. I, I just think uh, it's a it's gonna be draining on them.
2: Yeah, they could have taken a bye instead of playing Tennessee State, but they went that direction, obviously. So. And that's
3: not where you want to take the bye either, I don't yeah. think.
2: Absolutely. That's part of the argument. Right. I think that's why you just play
3: you do what you gotta an do an
2: FCS team rather than taking a bye. It's as close to taking a bye without taking a bye i just wonder with so many mental penalties yes on saturday eight self-inflicted false starts or lining up offsides to me those are mental mistakes and that's why i just have a little concern going forward over these next two games as this team has been through a lot emotionally, physically, number of miles they've traveled. It's a lot on these young men, so I hope they can keep it together two more weeks. I feel good about this week, and then next week I I haven't been able to wrap my (laughs) head around what a 45-44 game is going to look like probably at Notre Dame Stadium. All right. Allison Hayes, Darren Pritchett with you. Gosh, it's 5.36 already. (laughs) Holy cow. Does the clock go faster when we're together? It just seems like we start and then we got to go to break. We're late for a break. We'll get to some more Notre Dame topics. Uh, The wide receiver injuries. How much of a factor was that? Mitchell Evans. You'll hear from Howard Cross, who is the, in a couple of spots, the National Defensive Player of the Week after 13 tackles, a sack, and two forced fumbles, including the clincher. More sports speed coming up next on WSBT.
1: Notre Dame football coverage continues now.
2: Gives to Estime. He leaps at the one and goes over the strike. Touchdown Notre Dame.
1: Budweiser's weekday sports speed. Hartman keeps it, runs it up the middle, bulldozing to the end zone, and he's in. On Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
2: Low snap, hands off inside to Estimate, 10 5. He'll get there.
1: Touchdown Notre Dame.
2: That was Paul Burmeister on the call. And you can hear more of Paul and Ryan Harris this Saturday night, 7.30 kickoff. They'll have the call of Notre Dame and Louisville right here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Our pregame starts at 1 o'clock. Game day sports beat from 4 until 6.30 brought to you by Bud Light. It's going to be me at the Compton Family Ice Arena doing the first hour of the pregame. Then I call hockey from there. We'll have Eric in studio and Tyler will be in Louisville. So, what could go wrong technically? We've got everything locked in here. We'll have a great broadcast. And Allison, you've got another hour pregame show this
0: week.
3: Yep, yeah, we do. We are uh, live 11 to noon from Louisville. Our whole crew is oh going to make gosh. the trip. Yeah, so we're really excited. We're doing the show from inside of the stadium. And uh, we just are, we're, we're going to give you the full Louisville experience. Did I say that right? Louisville. 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 Not right. Louisville. It used to be Louisville when I was a kid, I thought, but now it's Louisville. Louisville. So yeah, we're going all in, and it'll be a lot of fun. We're going to take you behind the scenes at Churchill Downs, even though it has nothing to do with football, but why not, right? Louisville Slugger, we're doing it.
2: Absolutely. I didn't get to do the Louisville Slugger tour when I was in Louisville, but it's a wonderful town. I was actually there the week that Muhammad Ali passed away, and so they were doing all of the... The ceremonies and stuff, it was it was pretty cool to see. Okay, Allison Hayes, Darren Pritchett with you. Sportsbeat continues on WSBT Radio. So there were obviously imperfections on a night in which the Irish pulled one out against Duke, winning 21-14. You can't take for granted winning on the road in college football. It's not easy. So let me ask this, Allison. Do you look at the win differently yeah. and are less critical of mistakes since... This football team was coming off a heartbreaking loss to Ohio State seven days prior. I think we all agreed this was a trap game in the summer, so you beat Ohio State and just find a way to beat Duke. But knowing that they lost a heartbreak of the week before, how do you, I guess, describe what this win means and, and how much do you overlook some of the mistakes?
3: You totally overlooked the mistakes. <laughs> Who cares? They got the win. Uh, while we were watching it, I'm watching it with my husband. Right? We, you know, and he, we, you know how you get. It's, it's you get emotional while you're watching it. It's like, oh, the sky is falling, and they're terrible, and this, they're not going to win. And and I and I was saying to him because I won't get into all of the things that he said, but he, <laughs> I was like, I don't think that they are not playing hard enough. I think if anything, they were too emotional. They were almost trying too hard. And one. It so badly to get over that Ohio State win, or excuse me, the Ohio State loss that they that's where you're getting these stupid mistakes and the penalties and and the bad tackling again now that wasn't necessarily a result of Ohio State that's been all season long but those are the things that you can be critical about and that you can correct and some of the play calling that we've talked about already was questionable and and conservative and and mind-boggling at times because it's you know you have such a talent and, and at least Audrick was on the field and given the opportunity to make those plays especially what turned out to be the game-winning touchdown, but you know you're definitely much more forgiving after a win, but than you are after a loss. But so yes and no, yes I I think there were definitely mistakes that need to be fixed. But thank the Lord they were able <laughs> to find a way to scratch out that W and get it done. And what a boost though for the team! Imagine where this team would be today, preparing for now number 25 Louisville on the road. After another devastating yeah. loss, it would be very difficult to rally them and, and keep them all together. And now you have to hope that they are tired, they are wore out, they've been through a lot of emotions these past two weeks, now they got another tough road game that they have to get ready for. You have to just hope, like I said earlier, that this one isn't what turns out to be the trap.
2: The day started with three or four people on college game day picking Duke, and I was like, wow, really, really? Well, when we found out during game day sports beat that Jaden Greathouse was not going to play, I actually adjusted my final score prediction from 31-16 to 24-16. I was really concerned because you look at the wide receiving core, it was down to three guys, and I felt like Duke was going to be able to hone in more on that run game, which they were able to do, and the game was a whole lot closer than I would have thought earlier in the week. But I'll tell you what. Did the team give us heartburn, indigestion during that game? You better believe it. But this is a week where I cut a lot of people slack because just win this game. That was a tough, gut-wrenching loss to Ohio State. We knew this was going to be a trap game, win or lose, the emotions going into that Ohio State game. I just wanted them to win. So I am thrilled they pulled it out. Their playoff hopes are still alive. Were there things in the game that were very, very concerning? You better believe it. And we've talked about it over the last two days. I'm really interested to hear offensive coordinator Jared Parker meet the media tonight. I think it's going to be a really interesting conversation, To I think there needs to be a bit of an intervention on the offensive side of the football to get things back going once again. But... I'm okay with winning this game, however they did it. It is tough to win on the road against a Power 5 team. They're better than I thought. Their defensive line, I thought, was more physical than Ohio State's. Yeah. And that shocked me. So, Uncle Lou, you were I'll give you credit on that one a little bit with Ohio State not looking as physical as Duke did along the defensive line. I'm just glad they won. A lot of these things are fixable, and they can fix it this week, enjoying a victory. And I just want them to get through these next two weeks with a couple of victories. And then they can eat cheeseburgers on the couch, take a breather, and then get ready for the Final Four, which my goal is always November 1st, still have hope for the playoff. Yes. And they've got to beat USC and also Louisville just to get by October 14th with one loss. So there's still work to be done after that, but... They can win the next two. There's a chance they could be a one-loss football team going into November, and then you never know what's going to happen. And we were just talking about the receiving core, Jaden Thomas, Jaden Greathouse out against Duke. You were down to basically Chris Tyree, Tobias Merriweather, and Rico Flores. They were targeted 10 times with only four catches. So how much did the wide receiver's injuries affect the entire offense. This was Marcus Freeman after the game, Saturday night down in Durham.
4: Yeah, I think, you know, obviously with with injuries to three guys now um, in that room, you know, we didn't have much depth, you know, and and Braylon James is close. He's getting there, but he he just wasn't ready today. And, and, you know, what you see over the course of the game, you can't rotate wideouts. um, They get tired. And so, I'm so proud of the gutsy performance that they they did have out there. Um, for Rico to catch that two-point conversion, and they continue to battle. But, yeah, we worked in, and uh, we need those guys to get back for next week.
2: Sounding good, the great house, and also Thomas will be back. So that's really, really good news after what we saw Saturday night. And I got a little grumpy on the live YouTube show I did with Tyler Horka on Monday because there was – A small minority that felt like Sam Hartman did not play well in this game. And if you look at the stats, you see 15 of 30. That's not normal Sam numbers. But was the offensive line playing at a high level? Were the wide receivers playing at a high level? Was the running game clicking on all cylinders? There are a lot of things working against Sam Hartman in this football game. And Duke was really good on defense. So sometimes there are really good incompletions. you got to just throw the football away and live for another day. So... If you're just looking at stats, if you want to give Sam Hartman a C, a D plus, go ahead because I'm not. Even before that final drive, I thought he was keeping his team in the game and he wasn't making the fatal mistake. But you got to have wide receivers get open in order for the quarterback to have a better completion percentage.
3: The only complaint I would have, and it's not really his fault Mm -hmm. per se, it's really more on that O-line, is just not, he didn't look comfortable. He didn't look like he necessarily trusted the offensive line to give him the time that he needed. You know, even on that fourth and 16 play, yeah. you know, could he have maybe tried to find Rico? It would have been a tough pass, but he just didn't even take that time. It was like, I got to tuck it and run, and and that's what he did. And to his credit, I mean, he did exactly what he needed to do to keep them in the game and to keep them alive. Uh, I was surprised, actually, that the, the wide receivers – the injuries at wide receiver affected the game as much as it seemed to have. I thought that they would be fine with the way that they've been utilizing the tight ends. You, and they really didn't use hold and stays that much, mostly just as a blocker. But, you know, there's so much talent between the running backs, between the receivers that you do you have, and then, of course, you've got some really talented tight ends that I, I just thought they would be okay. So I was disappointed that it just that the receivers – had more of an impact maybe than I, I was expecting. Yeah.
2: I, that's why I tweaked my score just a little bit. I was really concerned about what the wide receiver position was going to look like because in my Friday predictions I had great house having the best day of the wide receivers. Well, he's not playing so that right. definitely affected me. They threw to the running backs. They targeted him five times there were five catches, so there was a little productivity and we talked about Mitchell Evans earlier with the six catches for 134. Want to get to one more soundbite. Howard Cross, he has been playing championship football all season. He has been a major asset for the Irish defensive line. How about this line against Duke? 13 tackles. He had one of the two sacks, two forced fumbles, including the game clincher. And on top of that, he had the great opportunity to talk to the Notre Dame media after the game Saturday night.
5: It's it's ecstatic, there's really no other feeling like it. That's what every guy in my position chases. It is that feeling of everybody looking at you, everybody's so proud of what you've done, and it just goes to show that what we've worked on. And I couldn't have done what I and we it was a son. So I couldn't have done what I what I did without the rest of my D-line. So
1: How did the first half unfold and what was the vibe at halftime? I would imagine there had to be something like well, it's 10-0. Like did it feel like the game should have
5: been
0: farther apart than
5: I mean, it was it was a game. I mean, they're they're doing great this season, right? They're a great team So it's not shocking that we're that it's that close um, Every every team has a has a chance to be known every good team has a chance to be any team and uh, if you're playing another good team It just comes down to who makes the least amount of mistakes. So
1: Howard, you're playing a lot of snaps. How do you have the stamina to be in a position like that? I'm not
5: gonna lie to you, because I'm actually not gonna touch anything. Uh, I have a really bad sinus <laughs> infection, so I have no idea. Uh, there are like three or four plays where like I can't breathe and I don't know what's going on. Uh, but I just, I just kept going. I looked at my dad in the stands, and which I do every game, and obviously just keep moving if you want to feel better, run it out. So. How important is it for the defense to play the way it did today in a game like this where we're undermanned on offense and obviously it's a tough environment to play in, but it seems like you guys were just keeping you guys in the game? Uh, I mean, it's everything. I mean, that's how great uh, defenses are made, right? When uh, when the chips are down and you don't really know what's going to happen, what are you going to do with the hand that you have? So we went out, uh, we played our hearts out, and uh, when, when it mattered, we made, we made the stop.
3: And our last one, Mike.
5: What was it like chasing uh, Riley Leonard around and um, uh, I mean, like with any running quarterback, because I'm sure we're going to see uh, a lot for the rest of the season. Uh, I mean, we just we practiced all week. It's that he will take off, so make sure you you see like if you if you're going a certain way, this gap's open. He's probably going to take off. So we just emphasize that. And then during the game, there's just nowhere for him to go because we had eyes on him wherever wherever he could have gone.
2: There you go. Your national defensive player of the week, Howard Cross, 13 tackles, a sack two force fumbles, all with a sinus infection. So he did a great job of tackling the middle of the three he was seeing right on the field throughout the game. That is no fun doing anything with a sinus infection, let alone putting on a helmet getting hit in the head, Ugh. and playing football.
3: I had a sinus infection this past week. I'm still getting over it right yeah. now, and I can totally feel him on that. And, and you know, the old saying, my, our uh, Shelton's Farm Market, our, our grandpa there, Jimbo, he says, you can be sick at home or you can be sick at work getting something done and, and <laughs> contributing, so get your butt to work.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's a good philosophy. That's a good business motto as well. All right. Mm -hmm. So, what do you think, Allison? Do you like Notre Dame's chances going down to Louisville Saturday night?
3: I do, but then doing like a ton of research, you know, right away, like trying to look into this all this stuff. Um, My biggest concern. Well, the best thing I saw was that Louisville's run game was really stifled by NC State's defense. I don't know if you watched any of that game. I watched.
2: It was hard to watch. It was,
3: but (laughs) NC State's defense played so good in that first half. I mean, they were everywhere and just so disruptive and Louisville really struggled but then of course they were able to overcome it and their defense played well and, and really gave NC State Brennan Armstrong played pretty terrible in that game but you see uh he's
2: been benched now
3: really he's been
2: replaced yeah he's not starting anymore wolf
3: yeah, yeah. well uh, that'll happen when you have Yeesh. a game like that but uh Jack Plummer he had 286 yards one touchdown Two interceptions, but he was sacked four times. So there's like, you there's they have an explosive offense, and, and it's a little bit scary at times, and they're dangerous. They're actually ranked number one in explosive pass rate, and fifth in yards per pass, but there's room for error there, and there's, there's a lot of opportunities where Notre Dame's defense, especially playing as well as it has been, can cause some turnovers can be disruptive can put jack on his heels and so i think they have a really good opportunity this week i do feel that notre dame is the better team overall if you take everything else aside all the other games all of the injuries all of the emotions all of that and just go team for team if notre dame can just be disciplined and and not look past louisville i think that they have a very good chance here
2: I mean, they've faced this quarterback twice right? at Purdue and Cal. Which is crazy. Yeah, it's welcome to the new age of college football, no question. But he's averaging like five yards per attempt, which is a very poor number in two games against the Fighting Irish. I'm not overly concerned about talent against talent in this game. Notre Dame is the better team. I just go back to the fact two physical games, two emotional games, back-to-back, you're back on the road If Notre Dame is mentally locked in and fatigue is not a factor, they're going to win this game, I think, comfortably. But if the last two weeks have taken its toll, then I think Notre Dame wins, but it could be a little more challenging.
3: And something, of course, to keep an eye out for is Jeff Brom. You know he's going to throw in some trick plays. He always has a trick play in his bag, at least it seems, in almost every game. He's done that his whole career. So Notre Dame has to kind of be prepared for that. I was shocked to see the fake punt from Notre Dame. I loved it. it. And I'd like to see. But you don't want to get crazy with it. But it was such a nice, uh, you know, especially after – Freeman had kind of tipped his hat, like every time we're over the fifty and we're fourth and short, I'm going for it. You know, so it was like, yes, throw in a mix here and, and, and mix it up and, and catch them on their heels.
2: Knowing what we know now, those seven points they got eventually off that fake punt were crucial because Huge. none of us had any idea it was going to be that much of a struggle throughout the game to put points on the board. But those seven points came in awfully. Handy. All right, Allison Hayes from ABC 57. I'm Darren Pritchett. Quick timeout. We'll wrap up this hour with our Twitter question of the day here on WSBT.
1: This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
2: Along with ABC 57's Allison Hayes, I'm Darren Pritchett. Twitter X question of the day from yesterday: Who gets the ultimate game ball in Notre Dame's 21-14 win over Duke? Your four choices: quarterback Sam Hartman, running back Audric Estime, defensive lineman Howard Cross, tight end Mitchell Evans. Allison, how would you cast your vote?
3: I mean, you could go with all of those guys, any of those guys, but I'm giving it to Sam Hartman. That guy willed his team. To keep that drive alive. Had he not made that first down on 4th and 16, the game is over. And he made it happen out of nothing. And he was sacked twice <laughs> in the game, and he, he got the job done. So no doubt about it. I know they didn't give the game ball to him for in real life, but in, in my opinion, Sam Hartman all the way.
2: Okay. Fourth place in the voting, 7% went to the guy with two touchdowns, including the game winner. Audric Estime. Had he taken a knee at the one, he would have gotten 56% of the vote. <laughs> Coming in third place, tight end Mitchell Evans. Six catches for 134. He got 15% of the vote. Second place in the voting at 31% was the National Defensive Player of the Week, Howard Cross. 13 tackles, a sack, and two forced fumbles. He got 31%. And Allison... You and 47% went with quarterback Sam Hartman, who made plays when the team needed them the most. And we thank you all for voting. And here is today's question went up earlier today. If the keyword is, if you believe there is an offensive issue right now, what is the biggest problem? I gave you four choices. Number one, wide receiver health. Number two, Offensive line play. Number three, play calling. Or number four, what are you talking about? I'm not worried about the offense. All right. So, Allison, what do you think here? We've talked about... Everything but not worried about the offense on the program today.
3: (laughs) When you look at the last two games in the production or lack of production on offense, I think you have to be a little bit worried about it, especially when you're getting ready to face some teams that can put a lot of points on the board. Um, I I was really torn between play calling and the offensive line. (sighs) Play calling is still just perplexing to me at times where we we're not seeing the creativity we don't understand the way they're utilizing audric estimate but overall i'm still gonna stick with the offensive line it's just inconsistent we're seeing times where they look really great and then you're seeing times where they don't they they did not block well they gave up two sacks Um, there were technical issues uh, being a little bit too high getting bull rushed by that D line not anchoring the false starts that one is just so frustrating and then it just looked at times like the offensive line wasn't necessarily fully prepared for what Duke's defensive game plan was
2: Boy, there's a combination I could go with here. But just to be different, I'm going to say wide receiver health because I mm. think the running game would have had a little more productivity had there been more danger from the wide receiving core in that game. I do think there needs to be some tweaking of the play calling. The offensive line needs to be better. Wide receiver help. So, in a perfect world, we talk about all three and vote for all three. But I'll, I'll go with the wide receiver health that maybe helps – Couple other areas of the team if you've got more productivity, and since we're close to Halloween, scariness. Is that a word? Scariness? Sure. All right, I just made it up.
3: <laughs> well, they are getting a boost because they're getting some of the guys yeah, back.
2: Absolutely. So that's big. Okay and again you'll be down in louisville on saturday
3: that's right i'm heading down on thursday right. i'm doing all the stuff you can do in louisville we're gonna go to the louisville slugger museum we're gonna just really check it out and get the full experience Uh, we have a great show lined up we'll have um, some special guests including the uh, play-by-play announcer for louisville he's been doing it for 40, yes, plus years. Uh, We're going to be doing the show live from inside the stadium. So it's just going to be a really great show and and really looking forward to another opportunity. We were talking about the schedule. I needed a bye week this past week, but I'm (laughs) energized. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go to Louisville. Then I'm ready to come back home, have USC, and then we get our break.
2: That sounds like a plan to me. So you guys are on the air what time, Saturday?
3: 11 to noon.
2: All right, very good. Have a safe trip. We'll talk to you next Tuesday. That's ABC 57's Allison Hayes. I'm Darren Pritchett. Timeout coming up. Sports update. Mike Singer talking all things Notre Dame football. Recruiting all coming up on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Your home of the Irish and the Cardinals Saturday night at 730.